Let's pray together. Indeed, Father, we posture our hearts now before you, humbly saying, God, would you have your will in our hearts? And Lord, we can agree with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So may this great gospel that has changed us and is changing us and will change us, God, may it captivate all of our hearts, all of our lives, and may Jesus, you receive great glory and honor through your church. Oh God, our hearts and our eyes are upon you now, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. It was around 170 plus years ago that the world was descending upon the state of California as it was experiencing the gold rush of the 1840s. People from all around the world came to this state to try and strike it rich. Well, there was a man from England who thought this was his chance. So he made the trek across the country all the way to California, and indeed, he struck it rich. This man found some gold, enough to set him apart for life, and decided to make his way home with what he had found. Instead of going back to England the same way that he had come, he went back through the city of New Orleans. As he got to the city, he saw a commotion taking place in the downtown area and thought he would investigate to see what was going on. And as he approached the crowd, he saw that he had stumbled upon a slave auction. Men and Women and children were being sold to the highest bidder at that moment on that site. A young girl was brought up onto the platform. And men around him began boasting about what they were going to do to this young girl once they purchased her. When the bidding began, it kept going higher and higher and higher. As the auction started coming to a slow for this young girl... This Englishman cried out a number that was double everyone else's, and he had won the girl. When she was brought to him, she walked up to him and spit in his face and said, I hate you. But the man paid no attention to her. He grabbed her by the arm and lifted his eyes and began looking around him feverishly as if he was looking for something. The man began to walk up and down the streets looking for something. When he finally found what he was looking for, he got to an office. He told the girl, stay here. He then walked inside and began having a conversation with the clerk on the other side of the desk. A shouting match began as the clerk began screaming at this Englishman. The Englishman was not deterred. He pulled the gold out of his pocket, put it on the counter, and the man who was behind the desk peered at the girl, shook his head, and began writing feverishly on a piece of paper. The paper was slid across the table to the Englishman who then walked outside. The girl spit upon him again with tears streaming down her face, I hate you! He gave her the papers and said, I just bought your freedom. You're free to go. She had tears still going. She recoiled. I hate you. He says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I paid for your freedom. You are free. 
the girl got quiet and began looking at the papers as tears are streaming down her eyes. She begins to whisper over and over to herself, I'm free. I'm free. She looked up at this man and said, you have set me free. All I want to do now is serve you. That is what has happened to you and I in the gospel. We were in bondage. We were in slavery to sin. But then someone we didn't even know stepped in and paid the price for our freedom. At a great cost, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, laid his life down, and through his shed blood has set us free. So now our hearts have been so transformed by the gospel in light of what God has done for us through his son, we just say before him now, all I want to do is serve you. That's what has happened in the hearts of three women in Luke chapter 8. Let me show you. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke, the author of this gospel, is writing to a man named Theophilus. In fact, he tells us in Luke chapter 1, he calls him most excellent Theophilus. We think that this is a man who financially undergirded Luke's research and writing for the writing of this gospel and volume 2, which is the book of Acts. And he's writing throughout this book, starting in chapter 1 with the Christmas story to chapter 24 of the ascension of Jesus back up into heaven. He is pointing to Jesus as the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in Luke chapter 8 verse 1, the scripture says this. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with them, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. There's two big truths I want you to see this morning here in the text. The first truth is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ changes your life. It changes your life. Jesus is in the heart of his itinerant ministry. He is traveling to big cities and small villages doing one thing, preaching. He is preaching the gospel. He is preaching the good news of the kingdom. The greatest evangelist of all time, he's on the road with his 12 disciples and he's telling the good news. Well, included in this traveling party, Luke lists three women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Now, Mary Magdalene, she's mentioned in all four gospel accounts. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record her and her life involvement with the ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus had so changed her life that she followed him wherever he went, including to the cross, where she watched him quiver and die upon the cross with her own eyes. And along with Joanna, she was one of the first to witness the empty tomb. You see, before she had met Jesus, she had been demon-possessed. But in his kindness, Jesus cast out the demons, she becomes his follower, and he changes her life forever. 
The other two women, Joanna and Susanna, we don't know a whole lot about them other than verse 3, Joanna's husband worked for King Herod. And they too had been healed of demons and diseases. But what we do know is that the gospel of Jesus Christ had changed their lives. What about you? Has the gospel of Jesus Christ changed your life? Have you been changed by the good news of Jesus? If you're here this morning or if you're watching online and your life has not been changed by Jesus, he stands ready to save you and to change you if you would trust in him. So the first truth I want you to see in the text is that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes your life. But number two, I want you to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ compels you to financially invest. We see here in the text, Luke records how Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna and many others were providing for, they were financially investing in Jesus and his ministry. They were supporting the work of, the Jesus, of Jesus and the disciples, verse 3, out of their means. Now don't miss the theological significance of this. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who is the maker of heaven and earth and is the owner over every square inch of the cosmos, Jesus is here allowing these women and many others to financially invest into his ministry. Isn't that interesting that God allows sinners who have been changed by the gospel to financially leverage their resources for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of verse 1, the preaching of the good news. You see, here's the truth. If Jesus has changed your life, you are compelled to financially invest in his ministry. You want, you desire for other people to come to know Jesus the same way that you have. And so when you and I give, when we invest in the gospel work, we do so out of joyful obedience to the word of God. You want to financially invest because we want to see other people who also can be set free by the good news of the gospel. Well, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he commissioned the apostles to preach the gospel and to make disciples. These disciples would then start gathering in local churches, and these local churches would become the vehicle through which God has ordained the nations and our neighbors to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, therefore, giving begins with the local church. May I say to you that God has been very gracious and kind to us. Through your faithful giving and your faithful investment here at Westwood, there are so many things God has done. Starting here in 2017, this past summer, we had 750 kids and workers who came together to hear the gospel at VBS where over 60 kids made decisions for Christ. This past summer, hundreds of teenagers and kids would go on camps and retreats where they would hear the gospel and they would fall more in love with Jesus. It's amazing, so far this year, there have been 4,000 people who have engaged with us through our 930 service live stream and on five different continents. We can see the countries in which people engage with us and there are people watching right now in places where the gospel is not welcome or safe. 
God is faithfully using that silly camera in the middle of the room to take the gospel of Jesus all over the world. This past September, we had 40 adults, kids, and teenagers get baptized in a creek in the middle of Montevallo. This past spring, we provided 10,000 meals that we sent to East Africa. Plus, that's in addition to the meals that we already provide every day for hundreds of kids in both Belize and in Swaziland. Our teams have preached the gospel in six different countries this year. Our church supports refugee ministry in Uganda and discipleship in Ecuador. This past uh, October, Christy and I, we were in Cape Town, South Africa, seeing the work that God is doing there. More than five million people live in the city, and the vast majority do not know Jesus. But there are uh, international mission board missionaries that are serving there full time who have a strategic plan to plant churches all throughout the city. They are pushing back against lostness in a very, very dark part of the world. Before that, this same couple working with the IMB, they were serving in Madagascar, went to the heart of the jungle where people had never heard the name of Jesus. And after four years of their ministry investment there, there were 50 believers, planted two churches, and in the past year, those two churches have already multiplied into more. You see, God is at work all around the world. When you financially, faithfully invest your resources into Westwood, we become a conduit. We are better together because we send these dollars all over the world. We financially support 5,000 missionaries all over the world through the International Mission Board. Christy and I also got to spend time in Swaziland, in which we got to spend time with two families from our church who were full-time missionaries there. They used to sit where you sit right now. They worked in Shelby County, lived here in Shelby County, and then Lord called them to go to a country where the average age is 43, where 28% of the population is HIV positive. It's majority youth ministry what they do there, and they have these care points that are set up. There's 25 of them all throughout the country in which they're seeking to care for kids. These kids will come to these care points just like this, where they will receive a meal, they're going to get health care, they're going to get education, they're going to hear the gospel, and they're going to be loved on by indigenous workers. It's an amazing work, and you and I, we help undergird the work of the gospel there. Through our faithful giving, we are helping provide food and nourishment for these kids where if they did not receive food for that day, they don't eat. And it's amazing how our church provides thousands of meals for kids just like this all over the world. Another agency that we support is Do Lost Partners. Dulos is a ministry that seeks to financially support indigenous church planters, and currently they are in 32 countries. This past August, I got to meet this guy. His name is Zabron Kamenga. This guy is a church planter in Zambia. Now get this. Since his ministry began, he has reached 78,000 people with the gospel. He's baptized over 4,000 people, and he has planted 28 churches. I meet heroes of the faith like this, and I'm like, what in the world am I doing with my life? <laughs> I mean, it is humbling. You see, you and I, we are helping support church planters like Zebron all over the world. And we do this together. We are financially investing. We want to leverage every dollar so that the gospel can go forward throughout Shelby County and around the world. We're all a part of this. So when you give, we are a part of work like this. You see, we are those whose lives have been changed 
by the gospel, and so now we want to financially invest for the gospel. In 1981, a small group of people decided that they wanted to plant a church in Alabaster. So they began praying and meeting together, and they locked arms, and God in his grace planted a church. On the first Sunday in 1981, more than 200 people showed up, which far exceeded expectations of what would happen. And on that day in 1981, Westwood Baptist Church was born. And throughout her infancy, there were families who sacrificed to keep the doors open. There were some families who took on second mortgages. There were some who gave rings to make sure that the doors could stay open and the church can stay financially afloat. These people wanted to see a gospel presence in Alabaster that can have impact on Shelby County. And because they faithfully gave and they faithfully prayed, God has been very kind and generous. It's amazing to think about. Since that day, 36 years ago, thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus. Thousands of people have been baptized and discipled. Hundreds of people have been, have been sent out to more than a dozen countries preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, what started as a small group praying for a church to take root in our community has led to a mighty movement of God. You and I are a part of what God started 36 years ago. In fact, I'd like to do this. If you were or are a charter member or were a part of the church in its early stages, would you please stand? I would like to recognize you. Amen. 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 From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because of what you guys planted 36 years ago, God has been faithful. Thank you. I praise God that I get to be a part of a church like this. And it's because of these who sacrificed and prayed, we're gathered here together. Can I say to you, we are the answered prayers of those who have gone before us. Don't miss that. They were praying that God would gather a people, a legacy for the sake of the gospel so that Jesus can be high and exalted all throughout Shelby County. And so they prayed. And 36 years later, here we are. Praise God for what he has done through this local church. Praise God. Amen. In 2005, Westwood relocated from the Thompson Road location to our current campus on this side of the interstate. By faith, Westwood came together onto this campus, and the Lord has been very kind. He has provided a beautiful campus in which we get to gather and in which we get to invest in people who will impact their world for Jesus. And I am so grateful for what God has provided. And yet, I need you to hear me on this. This campus has come at a great cost. Currently, as we sit, Westwood, we owe $9.3 million on this campus. 
Now, over the past 10 years, our church has diligently and incrementally paid down the debt, and yet the payment that we have right now is a heavy burden. 34% of our operating budget goes towards debt relief. That's significant. And while I'm grateful for what God has provided, it has come at such an expense that, y'all, we are limited as a church on what we can do. You see, mission is fueled by resources. We see this in Luke 8 with the women and the many others giving generously to Jesus' ministry. You see, until the day comes in which we drive a stake into the heart of this debt, our effectiveness as a church will be hindered and our reach will be limited. If I can be transparent with you for a moment, As a leadership, we spend a significant amount of time talking about things that we cannot do because we do not have the financial resources to do them. We have gospel opportunities that come before us, but to no avail, we cannot seize them because we currently have such a significant financial debt. We have to find a way to retire this thing because the debt is suffocating our ministry. It's suffocating our mission. And there's no clearer way to say that. So what are we going to do about it? You see, there are two realities that we must hold simultaneously. We must continue, on one hand, to continue to keep our foot on the gas pedal of gospel and mission. We're going to continue to invest in people who will impact their world for Jesus. We're going to continue to try and leverage every dollar that we have for the sake of making Christ known where he is not known yet. We want to continue to play offense with the gospel. And yet simultaneously, we must continue to diligently knock out this debt. We cannot focus on one without the other. We must continually hold both equally. So where do we go from here? How are we able to continue to play offense with the gospel and yet simultaneously take care of this debt that we currently have? Moving forward, here's what we're going to do. In just a few moments, we're going to be voting as a church on our budget for 2018. The budget for 2018 is going to be $3.12 million. Now, I'm excited about this budget because this is the largest it's been in several years. This is a $300,000 increase from 2017, where we are now, between 2018. Why? Because Jesus is far too precious. The gospel is far too valuable. Hell is too real for us to play maintenance mode. We cannot play defense and just try and take it easy until we try and retire the debt that we have. With this $3.12 million budget, we're going to double our giving to missions. We're going to invest more dollars into local ministries, and we're positioning ourselves more faithfully for the future. But Westwood, here's the deal. I think we can do more. In 2018, I am calling our church to go for four. Now, Kenneth, what is go for four? Go for four is a financial initiative calling upon Westwood to give $4 million to the general budget in 2018. Now, to kind of illustrate this, you're going to see this up on the screen. So for those in the back and those who are watching online who can't see my chicken scratch writing, It's going to be up on the screen so you can see what I'm about to put here. But this kind of helps me think. I'm a visual learner. I like writing things down, seeing the big picture. But Kenneth, where in the world did you get this $4 million number from? Let me kind of show you where I've got it. As of 2015, the average household income in Shelby County is $70,120. That's 
about average, 2015. If every family at Westwood tithed, and a tithe is 10%, starts with 7,000, so let's just say you're making an even $7,000, this is the tithe where we all began. For some of you, you make less than this. For some of you, you make more than this. But you make it that 10%. It's a starting point. Then we see we have 600 families gathered here on a weekend. It's about 1,500 people. $7,000 times 600 families is $4.2 million. Okay, so the way this works out is it means we're going to be faithful. The dollars are already here. We have the ability right now as a church to attack this debt. We can play some serious offense with the gospel because with the 3.12, we're going to continue to reach more people. We're going to continue to fuel mission. We're going to continue to take the gospel to the nations and to our neighbors. And yet at the same time, what we have the potential to do is I think we have the potential to, to go for $4 million. Well, Kenneth, what are we going to do with the extra? Okay, for every dollar given above the 3.12, it's going to go directly on principle on our debt. So for every dollar given above the 3.12, every dollar is going to go directly on principle. Now, inside of our budget for next year is a $200,000 principal payment. If we as a church can go for four we have the ability to knock out 1.08 in debt in one year. We can do this. We can do this, y'all. It's everybody who says, listen, this is my church. This is my faith family. I'm going to financially invest because I want to help my church become more gospel faithful. We want to have leverage everything we've got for the sake of the mission of making much of Jesus. And so we can simultaneously continue to play offense with the gospel and retire the debt. We can do both. And I think we as a church, if we faithfully pray, we faithfully seek the Lord, if all of us are sacrificing and laboring, starting with the tithe and going beyond that, we are going to come together and be able to attack the debt and be able to fulfill the mission that God has called us to. You see this, this little fill in the blank here. The tithe, which is translated 10%, that's the starting point for generous giving in the local church. Isn't it interesting that when the Lord, the only time in the Bible the Lord asks us to test him is with our giving? It's like, test me in this. Like, Lord, I don't know if this is going to make, is this is going to be tight. I don't know if I, he says, test me in this. Test me. See if I will not show myself faithful. Well, Kenneth, what about our family? What if we don't make anywhere near that number? That's okay. That's okay. Be faithful with what God has provided for you already. You see, when you give, God is far more interested in the worship of your heart than the size of your gifts. Don't miss that. Don't get wrapped up in numbers. It's about your heart. You've been set free by Jesus we're no longer under law, we're under grace, and so now we are compelled. Just like that slave girl who has been set free, we have been set free by the gospel, and so now we are compelled to financially invest in the gospel. It comes down to faithfulness. And you know what's amazing is this. Hypothetically, if we continue to knock out at this rate right here, 
every year just faithfully giving, 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 knocking out principal, we're going to be debt-free in six years. We can do it, y'all. It is within reach. And here's what I'm praying. I'm praying we do it faster. Because we have the opportunity before us to seize a moment where we can push back against lostness. And it means leveraging every dollar we have, including knocking out the debt. Well, Gennett, that sounds great, but how in the world are you going to help us to do that? I'm glad you asked. Coming up in the spring, we're going to be offering some financial training classes. It's a training in which you can learn how you can grow in your effectiveness of managing your household budget. If you're newlyweds or not quite married yet, I want to urge you to take this. Maybe you're doing really well financially. This this course can be a way to sharpen you, to figure out, man, I can do more here, and I can cut this and learn these new principles. So we're going to be providing that for you starting on Wednesday nights coming up in the spring. Also in the spring, we're going to be sending out some social media videos about financial principles that we'd love for you to watch, enjoy it as a family. They're going to be really brief, but we want you to share. It's amazing how social media now allows us to get the gospel into people's homes that will not step foot on a church campus. It's amazing. We have these little clips on Sunday mornings that we take from the sermon where the gospel is preached and these little 30 to 60 second clips are being spread literally all over the world to people who've never heard the gospel. I have family and friends who don't know Jesus but watch these little gospel moments through social media and all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel. So share all these things on social media. We're also going to be doing, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be launching a brand new giving platform. It's a way for you and I to be able to give easier, to make it a lot more simple. I'm not sure about you, but I have no idea where my checkbook is. But the number one way of giving today is through the cell phone. Majority of way. That's what people, that's what people give now. So now, starting in January, we're going to be launching a brand new app where all you have to do is press a button to give. It's going to be easy, simple, streamlined, so that you can give anywhere, anytime. But we're going to make it as easy and simple as possible so that we can leverage every dollar, not just for the sake of retiring the debt, but for the sake of advancing the mission. We want to continue to see people come to faith in Jesus. You have in your worship guide a Go For Four card. Can I invite you to take this out? This card right here is a challenge that I want to place before you to pray about for 2018. And there's two commitments I want to call you to make. The first commitment is I pledge to generously give in 2018, starting with the tithe. Saying, listen, I'm going to start with that 10%. That's starting point. It's baseline. That's where I begin. And then from that, I'm going to give more. The second part is I pledge to give generously in 2018 from the overflow of my business whether it's profits or bonuses or whatever happens in regards to a financial blessing that you receive, is to say, Lord, I'm going to give generously from that to my local church. I had breakfast two months ago with a business owner and a sharp leader, and I, we were talking about all of this, and he said, Kenneth, I had been giving for years through a tithe, and I thought, that's enough. He said, but then God got a hold of my heart, and he, I realized that he owned my business. He owned everything that I have. And so I began giving generously out of the overflow of all these other different parts of my life. And he says, I've seen God do amazing things through that. Because here's the deal. Your job is not yours, it's God's. Your business is not yours, it's God's. He owns the money. He calls us to be faithful stewards and managers to place it for the sake of kingdom advancement. 
And we, as a church, are financially investing in something that cannot lose. The mission of Jesus Christ will march forward. So there is no greater return on investment than seeking to make much of Jesus all throughout Shelby County and beyond. Now, for some of you, you've left the tithe a long time ago. You have far surpassed that. My challenge to you is this. What's next? What's the next level of giving for you? In which you're having to step out in faith and say, God, this does not make sense, but I'm going to trust you in this. Go for it. But if we as a church can be faithful in our giving, we are not only going to knock out this debt, we're going to continue to play offense with the gospel. In fact, starting uh, on December the 3rd, two weeks from now, we're going to have a, a day called Celebrate the Tithe. Man, is that old school or what? Okay, we should have tagged it with bell bottoms, right? But we want to challenge everybody on that Sunday to tithe 10%. Whatever that looks like for you and your family. And that's kind of like your warm-up for next year. Like, okay, this is what it's going to look like for us. So December, December the 3rd, we want to challenge you in that. Say, okay, I think this is something that we can do as a family to sacrifice, to make much of Jesus. Did you know that there are 17,189 UAB students from 46 different countries? If we can get rid of this debt, we are now going to position ourselves so that we can go to the place where the nations are coming to us, plant a permanent gospel presence there amongst college students. There are 12,000 Hispanics that live in Shelby County. Right now, with very little gospel influence, we have to find a way where we can be reaching people who speak in a different language than ours so that they can have a fair hearing of the gospel. So we can be reaching Spanish-speaking people within Shelby County. There are 143 million orphans in the world. And as our church continues to grow in adopting these children and caring for them, we need to help alleviate the burden for families who want to come and bring these children home and fulfill the James 1 mandate. Right now, there are 4,500 children in foster care in Alabama. What if we found a way where we can financially make it easier for families to care for these babies and these children and these teenagers? It takes all of us working together. Currently, there are 3,000 homes within a three-mile radius of our church with plans to build another 2,000 in the years to come. We're going to have thousands of people all around us, and we need to be thinking strategically, what if we looked at planting a church in different parts of different communities around us? In the years to come, old dying churches are going to have buildings coming available. And what if we as a church said, listen, we are prepared to go in and help revitalize a church, redeem a community, and seek to reach them with the gospel. You see, there is so much offense we can play in pushing back against darkness if we can alleviate this debt. And I'm not sure what God's doing in your heart, but I think together we can do this. It's require everyone, starting with me and Christy and I, by God's grace, we are leading the charge on saying we are faithfully, financially investing in this church because we want to retire this debt. We want to reach more people for Jesus until we take our last breath home and go home to be with him. Everything we've got. I want to leverage it all for the sake of him. See, here in a few moments, when we vote on this 3.12 budget, when you raise your hand, you're not saying, yes, I vote in favor of someone else to give. You're saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to financially invest. This is my church. This is my faith family. And I'm going to make sure that my family, we can continue to march forward in the victory that's already ours in Christ. 
You see, we have been set free. So now, this great gospel that has saved us, we now leverage our resources just like those three women so that more people can come to know Christ. 36 years ago, some people faithfully sacrificed so that you and I can be here today. My question is, 36 years from now, how will Westwood be positioned because of what you and I do right now? This is our time. This is our church. And this is our time to go not only to attack this debt, but to advance the gospel farther than we can ever imagined by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's trust him. It must be faithful.